Welcome to the Hot Chicks Write Hot Books podcast with Jen Foster and Melanie Johnson, where authors give you their inside secret tips on how to be a successful best-selling author. Hi, this is Melanie Johnson with Hot Chicks Write Hot Books with my partner Jen Foster. We're here today with another wonderful interview with a fabulous author. We want to remind you to please subscribe to our podcast. We really appreciate it and we love to hear your comments. Leave us comments and we'll respond back to you. So we're sponsored today by Elite Online Publishing. If you'd like to get your book published, please contact EliteOnlinePublishing.com and uh, we can help you do that. And if you would like to go to a book writing retreat and write your book, down at the beach, contact us at Hot Chicks Write Hot Books and we can get you set up with a book writing retreat as well. So today our guest is Jenny Herbacek and she has written a book called Cancer Free Are You Sure? And she was an RN nurse and she's been through cancer herself and she has so many good insights into the health industry and cancer. I can't wait to hear her information and she's going to share her story about how she wrote her book and how she became um, an author and got the ideas together and pulled her book together and how she went through and self-published her book. So Jenny, welcome. We're so happy to have you here today. Thank you for having me. Great. Well, tell us a little bit about your background, um, how you, you know, your nursing background and how you started to write your book. Right. Well, um, I'm a registered nurse and I have not actually practiced nursing in maybe 15, 20 years um, before um, this incident where I started writing this book and actually I did not practice in, in um, oncology I practiced neonatal I got to take the babies when they were born and a lot of premature babies I worked in the nursery and it was it was what I call fun nursing so anyway but then in 2009 um, I was told I had cancer and what was crazy about that was I'm one of these people I went to for my yearly checkup every year at the doctor I was always fine they always said see you next year lab work was good, my sugar was good, my cholesterol was good, and so I was just kind of knocked off my, off my, you know, platform when they told me that I had cancer because I thought, how could I have cancer? I was fine a year ago. I asked them, I said, so what was, um, how long, how bad is it? I always, you know, people always, that's the first thing they want to know is how bad is the cancer? And they said, oh, we caught it really early, and then I asked another question that a lot of people don't ask. And I said, well, how long have I had this? And they said seven to ten years. Oh, that my point, gosh. That's crazy. At that point, the light bulb went on, and I had nothing but questions. But when you get diagnosed with cancer, you just have fear. If this fear comes over you, you don't know what to do except for go to the experts, and the experts were the people in the white coats with the blue letters that were handing out lab slips and sending me, you know, running around from appointment to appointment, scheduling um, tests before surgery, interviewing oncologists, interviewing surgeons. It was just, it was absolutely, absolutely crazy. But the whole time, I kept thinking, seven to ten years, how did I, how come no one found this sooner? Um, but it's, to make a long story short, I went to a breast cancer support group. And they told, and I went in and I was listening, and everyone went around this, the um, circle and told their story about their cancer. And what I discovered was half of the women in that room had had a recurrence of breast cancer. And they were all told the same thing as me after treatment, I was cancer free. So I thought, wait a minute, if this can happen to these ladies, this can happen to me. And I actually looked over my shoulder and thought, well, do I have a target on my back or what? 
So that started my investigation. I'm not an author. I have no training. Um, in fact, my first de degree I worked on was fashion merchandising, and then I did then I did nursing. I have no journalism skill um, or training. Um, anyway, but when there's a need, it's it's funny how you can dig deep and come up with you know what you need to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So how, since you had no training as being an author and you became one, there's a lot of people who think the same thing that you thought. How am I going to write a book? I don't have any training. So what did you do to propel yourself to get the confidence and to go ahead and write a book? I'm going to tell you it was the desire because I had so I found out that there are tests that you can find. You can use years before a mammogram, a PET scan, a PSA, or a biopsy to detect, to detect cancer. So the first thing I wanted to do was to tell everyone I know, don't believe them. Don't believe them that you're, that you're cancer-free. Please get one of these tests and check it out because I was watching people die. I guess when you get to be in your 40s or coming up, coming up on your 50s, people start getting cancer and then they have a recurrence and 95% of them succumb to the disease. They don't, they don't recover when it comes back. Mm -hmm. So I was on the telephone. I was on the phone to calling everyone I knew. People were telling people about me. I was on the phone and I thought, I, I can't spend my life on the telephone. I have to put this on paper. I have to put this on paper. So I actually started attending conferences and gathering data and I would sit at the computer and I would stare at it because I had no idea where to start. Um, one day I was driving to Dallas to meet with an integrative um, clinician that I was working with and I was reading an article in um, something called the Townsend Letter and it was so beautifully written and it and it and it I understood it and it was medical jargon but it was written to where I could understand it and it said on the bottom the name of the author of, of the editor and I looked at that and I thought I wonder if I wonder if she would help me this is what I need I need someone to help me edit I can put my thoughts down but I need someone to help me uh, make it believable make it for my passion to come across on the paper mm -hmm. so I picked up the phone and I called her and told her my what I wanted to do about the book and she thought it was incredible she says there's nothing like this out there people are dying they need to know this information and then first of all she asked me she said why hasn't someone else written this book first and I said I don't know but I'm gonna write it so I started working with her that's great and so you just started I mean you already had your thoughts and you've researched and so you wrote it all down and yes. then you went through her to do the editing process and make sure it had all the content you wanted. It took us probably nine months because I would write a chapter and I would send it out. I would press send on my email and I would just pray that, that she would think it looked great. But every time it came back with all these red marks on it and, and it wasn't that my content was bad. She wanted to pull more out of me. She would say, okay, now you're telling them what cancer is, but tell them why they need to know this explain to them why this is important that they know this so I would stare at the computer for another couple of days and I would have have my chapter and I'd have her little questions that she would put in the margins and I would go through and I'd send it back and then sure enough she'd say you threw a new term in here tell us what that means so I'd go back because to write a good book you have to you know you can't leave anything assumed you have to especially when it's life-saving information um, mm -hmm. it, and I just love her now. We're actually really good friends, but I tease her because I don't even like to send her an email because she well, she's actually taught me to word things really nicely. Mm -hmm. um, people say I get so many compliments on that people can feel my compassion for people because until you have had cancer, um, 
it's really hard to understand. I would, you know, as growing up, I would hear people say, oh, so-and-so has cancer, and I'd think, oh, that's terrible. But until you get it, it, it just, and I walked that path for a full year, it just birthed this compassion in me for anyone going through this. And my book has a real mission because I don't want anyone to go through what I went through because it was it was the worst year of my life, the absolute worst year of my life, which has now produced fruit. And I I talk to people all the time about what tests to ask their doctor for. Um, the information that I have in this book is absolutely life saving. Mm -hmm. um, doctors are reading it and they're calling me and speaking at conferences. And I just I want to change the way the world detects cancer, and I did it through 450 pages of paper yeah. that were printed and bound, and you know, and that's a whole other question you asked me. I got it put together, and then I didn't know what to do with it because it's expensive, you know, to get books printed, and um, I didn't want a book that was I wanted a non-toxic book that because people that I would be reading my book are usually sick. Um, anyway, and I worked with a marketing person and. He just, I think he was dragging his feet for six months, and I thought, people are dying. So I pulled back the contract with him, and I said, never mind. I'm going to publish this myself, mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I did. I, we found a, I know a lot of physicians, and there's someone out in California that uh, is a small Christian publisher, and he wasn't taking any more books, but we just started sending it out. Um, I didn't know much about print-on-demand. I'm, you know, I'm sure I can do things differently now, but I sent it to him, and he read it and said, I will abs I'm not taking projects, but I will take this. So he's just been a godsend to me because I didn't know what to do. You really do need someone to steer you. It's a big world out there, and you don't want a garage full of, of books, especially when it's you know very helpful, life-saving information. You know, yeah. it's yeah. you can write the book, but if you don't get it out there, then you know there's really no point in it. Yeah, no and, one's and, yeah, no one's reading. Right, no one gets the information and. Um, I don't know. It's it's just worked out. I've sold almost seven thousand books in about ten months. So, but but there are a lot of sick people. There are a lot of sick people and people who've had cancer and they don't want to get it again. Mm -hmm. I want to jump on a little bit when you talked about the editing process about telling the lie, and I think that's so important. Because um, when you're writing, sometimes you're writing the statement, but you have to give the why and do more explanation or give actual real-life stories of why it's important so people can relate to it, which I think you did. You know, you kind of tore each little part and went to that next layer with it. And um, I think that's great tips for writers that you put your content out there, but then go back and tell about stories, tell the reason why, give more input and give more explanation so it's more in-depth. And um, that compels the reader and draws the reader in when you do that. Yes, and I don't know that I had that in the first write, but I did have it by about the fourth rewrite. <laughs> I, I had it really well, and people tell me, oh, my gosh, they feel my compassion for them. They feel my, my pain and suffering I went through, and they feel the hope that I give. Uh, with the information and I can't thank my my editor enough she just I had no idea editing um, that that's what an editor did I thought they just uh, looked for the the crossing the T's and made sure you didn't have any uh, grammar uh, grammatical mistakes and they you know oh this needs to be two paragraphs instead of one that's what I expected mm -hmm. I did not expect, expect someone to go in and say okay this is incredible information about this. Give me an example. Tell me more. Yeah. That is 
that is what took a long time. I, I didn't want a book that was just thrown out there that I put together really quickly because um, <laughs> I had one chance and I thought I'm going to do it right. And yeah. So I really did take a lot of time and, and add some of those things that you were just talking about to make it believable and so people could hear my voice through those pages. Yeah. And I love what you said too about the marketing part that it's, you know, it's not just about the book, it's about what you do with the book afterwards. So you get it to print, you put it online, but then it's like now now what? How do I get people to buy it? How do I make them aware of it and what you do with it? Even for you, I mean, even if you're giving it away to some patients, you're still getting your message out there. You're using it as a calling card. Right, right. I, I do give a lot of books away, even though they cost me about six fifty to print. I still give them away because some people just need the information, and if this will, this might save their life. I'm sowing seed, so I, I sow a lot of seed. That's wonderful. Well, and I think it's important what you said about the editors. You know, choosing an editor is a big deal, and you're going to be working with them through a process. So you want to make sure you choose the right one. And it sounds like you chose the right one. And like you said, not everyone knows there's different levels to being an editor. Some editors just do the, you know, grammar, grammatical and periods and and that kind of thing. They're just more, you know, are you writing it properly? But then you have the editor like you had, which is helping you to write the story and get it done done right and making sure it has the right content and that it all um, flows. And then you also have the editor that's a ghostwriter that can actually take your words and change them and move them around and help you rearrange it so that they're almost rewriting what you wrote, but they're still keeping what you wrote. Right. So she did a little she did a little bit of that. She uh -huh. would say, oh, I know a better way to make this, because I would say, I, I don't know how to say this. I know that's clumsy, but, and she would go, oh, I know how to say this. And yeah. I will say, I think it's important to have an editor that works in the same genre. So if someone that's used to doing cookbooks, or someone that's used to doing medical, or someone that's used to doing gardening, because they're going to be familiar with the terms, they're going to know the research that's out there. If there's something, like for me, I, I, we added a lot of citations. Uh, a lot of research into the book because I wanted everything fully backed up because mm -hmm. this is new information and people say to me, how come no one knows about this? Well, people do know. It's just the general public doesn't. So mm -hmm. I made sure I referenced everything and my editor attends medical conferences and she could say, oh, I heard a speaker about this and we'd pull the study up and look at it and I'd say, yeah, put that in. That looks great. So it's really important to make sure that you're a match. Yeah. yeah. So tell us... Um, now, when you were writing, did you have a specific discipline? Like, would you get up in the morning and write? Or um, how much, how did you, with everything else going on in your life, how did you make time to do this? I made it a priority. If I didn't, it would have never been done. Because every there's always an excuse. There's always an event. There's always the house to be clean. There's always, I need to go do this or that. And for three years, my husband would say, what are you doing today? And I would say, I'm working on my book. And I don't think he really ever believed I would publish a book. But I did, and it did take me three years. And I know I could have done it much sooner. And, and I could do it much sooner now that I know what I've learned. Um, but you just you have to make the time for it. And I would do it in the morning. And when I would get burned out, and I would just think, okay, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say next. Because you do have those moments where you, where you just don't know how to say something and you're like this isn't enough information I, I would feel like I wasn't getting through to the reader um, you just have to take a break and sometimes I would take like a break for two weeks and then I would come back all fresh and I would really bang out a few more chapters and send it off to my editor 
that was always a great feeling when I would hit send to send her a chapter because I thought, okay, it's off my plate now; it's on hers. And so then I would go, you know, have my have my free time. But I did; it, it was my job, and I did make it because I I was very passionate about the book itself. But it needed to be written. Um, I don't know; I probably put too much emphasis on it, but it was my number one priority to get that out. Well, I love. You know, Followed no. through with it, and I just love that you finished the book because you were saying it did take quite the quite the long time and a little bit of process to get it done, but you finished it. And a lot of times, people will start writing a book, or you know, you have the person who tells you, "Oh, I'm writing a book," but you never see that finished product. They never get it done. And so I really love that you followed through and you got it done, even though you it did take you longer than maybe you expected. But you followed through and you finished and you got it done. And I think that's that's really great because I think they say 80% of people want to write a book, but only 1% actually do it. So we right. want to make sure that if you do have that drive and that passion like you did to write a book, then just get out there and get it done. It doesn't matter if it takes you three months or six years, just get it done. And, so, and I, I, I would set uh, goals for myself. I would say, I'm going to finish the chapter on Uncle Blot by next Friday, or I'm going to finish the chapter chapter on testing for inflammation by the 15th of February and so I would give because I had a lot of researchers mm -hmm. I have boxes of paper of research that I did that's not in the book I had to really par down the information and study and be able to pull out just the, the nuts and bolts for people mm -hmm. so there might be a second book with the rest of the stuff <laughs> yeah I don't know those cases, I have actually put the lid on and I carried them upstairs because it's just, it's so nice just to see the final result. Yeah. I will tell you, I was, I was on a cruise in um, um, Asia and I got a, an email because I couldn't talk. I got an email from my publisher saying, hey, I think you're going to be asked to speak at this cancer conference. And this was in March of this last year. And, and I thought, oh, wow, I don't even have the book yet because it was, I had, I had, signed off on the, you know, they send you a copy of the book, the publisher, or the printer does, like a mock-up. So I had seen the mock-up, but they were going to make some changes, and I went on my three-week vacation to reward myself for this three years of work, and and it was so interesting. I got this call, then I got another email that said, you're going to speak on March 20th, which was the day my book was being released. I had not laid eyes on the book. We had the book shipped to the conference, and it was a huge national cancer conference. Um, my editor was so sweet. She just flew out, and we made a PowerPoint in the hotel room that night. So a book can really lead to a lot of other opportunities. Mm -hmm. I've met some wonderful, wonderful people. Um, people follow. I always tell them, "Let me know how this works out for you." Um, I tell them what you know, my recommendation on what testing they should get, what questions they should ask their doctor, and then what to do if these things come back positive. Um, I've met some wonderful, wonderful people. I'm getting to travel and. I was just in Florida three weeks ago. Out, um, I stay with a physician and his family, and I'm going um, out in April to San Diego. And it's just, it's wonderful. I've, it's opened a whole new, whole new life for me. This book. Because you know what a book can do for you. It's not just about the book. It opens up speaking engagements and all kinds of different opportunities. Right. And it's actually fun to sit at a table and sign books. I actually like it. And that was another decision. Okay, you write a book. People are going to ask you to sign it. I thought, well, how do you sign it? Do you just write your name? What do you put? Well, my book is called Cancer Free. Are you sure? So I sign mine, Be Sure. Jenny oh. So you got to come up with something that makes you feel good, that's 
you know, will be meaningful to those to the people that read it because I want everyone to be sure they really don't have cancer. And it's so easy. It's so simple to do. Yeah. So, so simple to find out. Uh, you don't have to wait for a lumper bump. That's old, old technology. Tell us some of those things that um, we should look out for. Okay. Um, I want to make this statement. Think about this. We can map the human genome. We have millions of, of, of genes on our chromosomes, okay? We can map them. People are putting them in order. They're, they're taking DNA from one species, injecting it into another species, but yet we wait for cancer to grow for seven to eight years to show up on, a, on an imaging test, on a picture. So this doesn't make sense to me that we're, we're working at the very DNA of the cell, but then we, we have to wait for cancer to grow so big. So what I want to tell you is that it's not true. We don't have to wait for it to grow. We don't have to wait for it to be big enough to stick a needle in it. Um, one test you can get is called Oncoblot. And I tell you in my book what, what email, their website, how much the test costs, the benefits, the limitations. I tell you my thoughts on the test. I tell you how long the results take. But what this test does is it, it tests for a um, ENOX2 protein. It's um, ENOX and the number 2 protein. This is a protein that is only on the surface of cancer cells. Mm -hmm. And if you have the ENOX2 protein in your blood, you have cancer. They can detect, and if you have as small as 2 million cell, cancer cells in your body, and that would be approximately the size of a pin drop, um, they will be able to pick up enough ENOX2 protein to get a positive reading. Not only will they tell you if you have cancer or to be able to detect it, but they will tell you the site of origin. If it's one of the major 25 types of cancer or 20 um, sites of origin like breast or prostate or lung or liver or kidney. Um, and so what's so cool about that is so you get, if I had had that test, um, you know, they told me I had cancer for seven to ten years. If I had had that test at year two or three, I would have never had to go through the surgeries and the chemotherapy that I went through because I had no motivation to make change. I did not know my immune system was suppressed. I thought I was fine. I ran. I exercised. I, I thought I had no problems. I thought I was a perfectly healthy 47-year-old. But when you find cancer really, really early, um, you can start working with the integrative practitioner to detox the body, to build up the immune system. And, but people don't know that they need to do that. So that's one test you can get. I tell everyone, if you are you know, 40 years old, get that test. Have your physician order it. Just make sure you don't have cancer. It's the best money you'll ever spend. Mm -hmm. um, another one of my favorite tests is from RGCC. It's Research Genetic Cancer Center. And they can actually find circulating cancer cells in your blood. Because remember I talked about how we can map the human genome. We, we look at blood. We test all sorts of things in the blood. But, you know, for whatever reason, we don't look for cancer cells that have been swept away from the primary tumor. You have to understand that a, a tumor is not in its own um, and separate from the body. It has blood supply. It has to. It has to get oxygen. It has to get nutrients. And tumor cells have, have byproducts of metabolism that are washed away into your system. So this process is called angiogenesis. So once you get enough cancer cells to start a small tumor, they actually grow a little network of blood vessels. And as the blood comes into the tumor to feed it, guess what gets swept off into the bloodstream? Cancer cells. So if they go in and they remove your tumor and they tell you, we got, the, we got all the cancer, we're going to give a little radiation to this area, and then 
say, say for instance, it was a colon cancer, colon tumor, and they removed a section of the tumor, clean surgical margins. They may, they may or may not have given you a little radiation. Um, but then six months or years later, oh, I'm so sorry, you have colon cancer, and now it's in your liver. How can that be? They removed it. Clean surgical margins, a clean PET scan. There was no evidence of any disease. But these cells had been swept away into the bloodstream. These cells hold the DNA with which to start producing more cancer again. Mm. And they can stay dormant for many, many years, or they can just start, um, start producing more cancer. And that's how a breast cancer ends up in the liver. That's how a colon cancer ends up in the bones. That's how you always hear about, you know, friends that have had cancer and say, well, where's, where's Bill? He's not playing golf today. Oh, his cancer's back. Well, if he had had this test, he could have seen that coming really early and intervened early and hopefully potentially diffused a life, you know, life-threatening problem. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, that's just two tests right there. There's another one called Nagalase um, that uh, is put out by cancer cells and viruses that blocks the vitamin D binding protein. And the vitamin D binding protein is what activates your macrophages and your macrophages are like your little armies that go along and gobble up viruses and cancer cells. So I know it sounds technical but I make it sound really simple in the book. I tell you, you you can read about each test. There's about five pages. I give you a little icon with a money bag that tells you how much you'll pay, Mm -hmm. what phone number to call to get the test, what it means. Um, Because a diagnosis of cancer can be financially devastating not to mention the pain and suffering, the time and the loss of work, and just the fear that comes over you. And so I tell people, find it early and intervene and don't let it, be, don't let it become a fearful thing. Take control um, and, you know, we live in a very toxic world and just do the best you can to keep your body healthy. Yeah. So you were saying, you were saying what can you do? You're talking about detoxifying. So you find out you've got this positive thing and it's really early. You've done one of these tests you've recommended. What is what is the change in lifestyle? Oh, my goodness. Well, upstairs, which is really what I should do when I get off the phone with you guys, is um, I have a little sauna. And we have four um, pathways of detoxification. One of them is through the skin. And living in Texas, it gets hot here, but we don't. We don't sweat very much. We go from inside the house to the air-conditioned car to the to a department store to the grocery store. Everything is you know is is air-conditioned. We have to sweat, and I'm talking sweat for 30 excuse me 30 minutes. Um, hang on. It's so so important to get out those toxins um, and to make sure you have a bowel movement every day. That's another way that we detox. People are people people are chronically constipated. You know, you don't really talk about that with when you're having a conversation with people. Hey, are you constipated? Well, most people are. <laughs> They're trying to take fiber, and um, but that if you're constipated, you're feeding microbes, and um, your body is just taking all that back in. And we, you know, we were created to detoxify through our breath and our skin and our urine um, and our feces. So detoxification is huge. Yeah, that's really important. I, I know um, a couple of places here that sell saunas, and it's really important. And even the infrared in the sauna helps too. And as long as, as long along with the sweating, right? And it's you know it's hard to find time to do these things because for me, then I have to do my hair. So I usually you know wait till the end of the day, and I get in my sauna, and I have a book to read, or I put on the television. I do a thirty-minute 
you know, watch something for 30 minutes so that I'm in there, I'm distracted, because it's hard. It's hard work to sweat. Um, and some people have a hard time even turning the sweating back on. Um, you know, and most cancer patients have microbes or viruses or parasites, so it's really important to make sure that you don't have an underlying um, condition like Epstein-Barr virus that's active or some, you'd be surprised the microbes that we get on our fruits and vegetables that come in from all over the country, I mean all over the world now. You know, we get, we get apples, you know, 12 months out of the year, we get oranges 12 months out of the year because we're bringing them in from different countries, and then we're also bringing in their their microbiome, their you know, their microbes that are on those fruits and vegetables, and we're eating them, and they're growing inside of our gut. So we have to make sure that while we shore up our good guys, our good armies, we make sure that the bad guys don't get ahead of us. Um, and just diet is so huge. If I um, love to go out and eat a great salad, but I can tell you almost every restaurant I go to uses vegetable oil or canola oil in their salad dressing. And those are so inflammatory, very, very inflammatory. Um, they can clog up the cell membrane on your on your cell, and and cells. We know that cells become cancerous when oxygen gets about 35% um, reduced in that in that cell. It starts being anaerobic. So it's more than I could even give in an interview. But I in the book I talk about things that you can do, and the main thing is find a nutritionist or an integrative person. We should all have that instead of just going for our checkup and our CBC and our, you know, our blood looks fine, and our blood sugar is fine, our cholesterol is fine. We really need to look deeper and make sure that our lifestyle is promoting health. Yeah. And there, there are lots and lots of clinicians and practitioners that can help you with that. That is excellent advice, excellent advice. And I'm even thinking about the sweating thing. Um, I think there's a, a book for Fit for Life that talks about, you know, working out hard in the morning, um, but bundling up. So I've been doing that, like, you know, work out, put sweatshirts on, put extra stuff on to when you're working out to promote more sweat instead right. of just having a little T-shirt on because that's another good way to uh, sweat stuff out of your body. That's right. great advice because it's not just, you know, I didn't know about the sweating or um, the other things that you were talking about. So that's really informative. Yeah, and writing a book can be educational for for you, the author, as well as everyone else, because I learned so much, and I keep telling people I would have made very different decisions now, knowing what I know, um, if I had had this information at the time of my diagnosis. I would have done things very, very differently, um, and but then the book wouldn't have happened, so it's all okay. I'm just trying to spread the word. Please, we know that one out of two men are getting cancer, one out of two and a half women. It's really hard to stick your head in the sand. People tell me all the time, Jenny, no one wants to know they have cancer. And I tell them, I beg to differ. When they tell you you have it, and if you're one out of two men, they're going to tell you that at some point, the first thing you're going to want to know is how bad is it. So I'm telling you how to find it when they can't even find it. When when they will do a scan on you and they say, you know, we're we don't even see anything in your prostate, but we see you have this Enox 2 protein for prostate, so let's do some prostate health things on you and let's halt that and potentially stop that. Um, that is the best news to be told it's a stage one or it's a pre-stage one years before when you can intervene. Um, so I tell people, I don't believe that. I believe if they told you you had cancer, you would have wished that you had had one of these tests before and found it the very early, earliest time possible. It's amazing that they don't do those tests as standard procedure um, doing that. And I do have to say, uh, you had to suffer so you can save other people. So you suffered to save. 
and um, and you survived. Suffered, yeah. saved, and you're a survivor. So all yeah. of that is good for everybody else that's out there that you found your voice and wrote this book. Um, tell us your website, and we'll put it up here so people can buy your book right from your website, and we're going to put it on our uh, Elite Online Publishing and Hot Chicks Write Hot Books uh, website as well. Sure. Okay. It's www.cancerfreearyousure.com. Great. We'll make sure that we have that link here, and you can also buy it on, on our website as well, the book. Yes. Thank you so much, Jenny, for joining us today. I I, I learned so much. I'm sure um, you guys out there learned so much. So appreciate your time and coming with us. And so uh, big lesson, get those tests that she recommended. First of all, get her book. Um, get those blood tests. Prevention is the best medicine. And start sweating and pooping, okay? <laughs> you have a message to share grab a laptop, open up Microsoft Word, and start typing because that's the first step is to just take the first step and start putting some words and make an outline. And then you can set some goals and, and try and achieve them. It's very possible. If I did it, anyone can. That's awesome. Thank you for that encouragement. So that's it for Hot Chicks Write Hot Books today. Remember, please subscribe to us. Hit that subscribe button. Um, send it to your friends and uh, ask them to subscribe too. And uh, please leave us comments. We look forward to hearing from you. See you next time. Bye. For more information, visit hotchickswritehotbooks.com.